Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this time just to get into your word. Lord, I just pray that your spirit would just outpour on this place and your angels would just surround this place and protect us. Because I know, Lord, Satan doesn't want your word to go out into this city, Lord. He doesn't want the truth, the love that you have for these people to go out. So, Lord, I just pray for your protection now. I pray for your outpouring of your Holy Spirit, Lord, as we study your word, Lord, that we would hear from you. Lord, I pray against distractions out there. I pray that the batteries would last, the Wi-Fi, the data cards, um, just anything. Nothing would become between us and our fellowship with you, Father. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord, this would be a, just a, a blessed time. A blessed time that we can learn more about you as we study the Apostles' life in this final chapter of John today. So, Lord, I just pray. I pray that we hear from you today. I don't want to hear from me. I want to hear from you. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So again, if you got your Bibles, you know, last week, I think a lot of you were here. Remember we were in John? So turn to John. We're in John chapter 21. We started John that chapter last week, and we're going to finish it this week. You know, as we get into John chapter 21, it's very interesting. Because we see this entire chapter would have seemed to be added later by John, which is very interesting. In this chapter, we see this chapter 21, I, I believe the focus really is on Peter. And it's Jesus molding Peter into the man who would greatly be used by God. Now, as we see this as the main theme, I believe, of this chapter, I, you know, we've got to ask the question, right? If Jesus is molding Peter into the man that's going to be used by God, what can we learn about this for us? How can God mold us into the person that he wants us to be? So let's look back just as a, back in chapter 21. What had been taking place? I don't know how many of you were there last week or how many of you remember, but remember what had Jesus asked the disciples to do? Jesus had told them to go to the mountain, to go to Galilee. And remember that they obeyed, they went to Galilee, and they went there to wait on Jesus as he had asked them to do. But what happened? They became, I believe, especially Peter, he became impatient as he was waiting on Jesus. He obeyed. He was there where he was supposed to be. But he said, wait for me. So Peter, right, he came up with the idea. Let's go fishing. Perhaps, you know, I, I think about Peter and myself. And I think maybe he was thinking, Let, let's take this time to go do something that I really enjoy. Something I'm very good at. Something that, you know, I can do by myself while I wait on Jesus. And we know when we've read this story that maybe that some of the other disciples, they also joined. And most of them were also fishermen by trade also. So they all went to do something else while they waited on Jesus. Now after all night fishing, what happened? How many fish did they catch? Zero. The sun was coming up and they see this man on the shore and he instructs them where to throw their net. And surprisingly enough, they obeyed. And they, we know from the story last week, they caught 153 large fish in one cast. Jesus, we, this is all last week, just to review real quick. Jesus had done for the disciples what they couldn't do for themselves, no matter how hard they were. But he did even much, much more than they could even hope for or imagine. And this was their profession since it was a child, and they couldn't even do this on their own. But 
But with Jesus, amazing miracle happened. And, you know, at this point, so the disciples, they didn't realize that it was Jesus on the shore. And then John, remember, John realized, said, that is Jesus. Recognized it. And remember Peter, right? John may have recognized it was Jesus, but it was Peter who jumped in the water, right? He started swimming, right? Trying to swim in towards Jesus, jumped into the sea, swam towards Jesus, leaving the boat behind, the fish behind, his friends and the disciples. I believe in so much more. I believe this was a real picture of Peter, a real change of heart in his life. This is when he left, I believe, his own ambitions and just really set to follow Jesus. Now we know that, that many of these disciples were present, including John. They were part of this fishing trip. And I know that Jesus surely was teaching all the disciples and I mean and us, but I really think at this story in John chapter one, Peter's kind of the heart of the story. Although I mean everyone could learn something from the story. And even today, I think Peter is at the heart of this. Because you know, Peter had some issues, didn't he? Peter had some pretty big issues. And I think that to be a follower of Jesus, Jesus knew that he had to address this with Peter. These issues in Peter's life needed to there had to be something, something had to take place. And Jesus is going to address that today. We're going to see that in the passages. Because remember what happened? Peter had to just deny Jesus three times. As soon as the things in his life got difficult, or he faced maybe some consequences for being a follower of Jesus, Peter faltered, and he denied Jesus. So now Jesus, he's going to prepare Peter. He's going to bring restoration to Peter, so Peter can serve Jesus. Now, you know, as we right before we continue, think about this. When Peter arrived at the shore, what did he find? He found Jesus. But he found what he had been searching for all night before, right? All night before he'd be working hard to catch fish, right? And as soon as he swam for Jesus and arrived at Jesus on the shore, what did he find? The very thing he'd been out all night searching for it on his own. And it was there with Jesus, prepared, waiting, ready for him. Just Jesus saying, here, it's right here. I just, I, I see a great picture there. So Jesus, we're going to see, is going to mold Peter. Uh, he's, he started this process as we're halfway through chapter 21 in John to make Peter the man that would be the leader of the church. Now, you think about this. I don't know. I see a picture. The disciples were trying to do this on their own. You know what? What was the only thing they caught? I think the only thing they caught was frustration, as I think about that. Especially after this afternoon of doing it with all these electronics. He was trying, the disciples were trying to do it all on their own, and their only result was frustration and a zero fish. Yet, as soon as Peter went to Jesus, it was already done for them, ready for Peter. I just see an amazing picture. This is all last week. But the question as we get into this week, I have a question for you. This is a very um, sobering question. And I want you to think about this as we go through the sermon this week. Do you love Jesus more than anything else? I want to repeat that. Do you love Jesus more than anything else? Because this is, this is what this story is about with Peter, I think, in so many ways. Peter was... He's faced with this very question, right? And what happened? He failed three times in order to save his own skin. So what's your answer? Think about this. Do you love Jesus more than your own life? 
Do you love Jesus more than all the worldly possessions that you would have? Do you love Jesus more than your family or your loved ones, your children, your friends? At what cost, think about this very closely, at what cost will you follow Jesus? When you say it just, it's too much, it's too hard, it's too difficult, it's not worth it. Is there a cost that's too high? I would think about this. Look at, look at Peter. He, I mean, he made this huge mistake, right? And we know it's coming. He needs to be restored rightly with Jesus. So let's continue in the passages today. We left off at verse 14 last week. The disciples had just finished eating their breakfast, right? Do you realize they finished eating? And now, again, hopefully the disciples, they learned, they learned their lesson. Wait on Jesus, right? That was a big lesson. Because if they would wait on Jesus, this was the only way they were going to be fishers of men. Jesus, he's used this trip. He taught Peter. He taught the disciples. He's teaching us a lesson. But now, he's going to confront Peter and confront Peter's sin. That's what we're getting into today. So you got your Bibles. John chapter 21, verse 15. That was a huge introduction in review, wasn't it? All right. Verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. As we read this verse, we're going to ask you to do something, and don't fall asleep. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to put yourselves into this story. I want you to imagine that you're one of the disciples. Imagine you've been up all night. You've been up all night fishing. Now, you've just came ashore with Jesus is there. All the other, your friends are all around you. You've just eaten this large breakfast, right? I'm sure after you've been out all night, after you've eaten this large breakfast, you might be, might be a little sleepy. I don't know about you, but that's kind of how I'd imagine. And I'm sure some of the other disciples were kind of laying down. I see some people yawning right now. Laying down, kind of feeling sleepy, but not you, right? Not you. Your attention's on Jesus and on the teaching, right? Not you, right? So let's let's keep ourselves in the picture. Stay awake, even though we're tired. We're, our bellies are full. We've been out all night. Let's see what's going to happen. Let's look at this story. Let's see. Jesus has just looked at Peter. You see it? Jesus looked at Peter. He looks right at him. I imagine even Jesus stood up. I mean, this was a big deal. And he addressed Peter personally. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Think about that. This would have been, you imagine yourself in the story, this would have been kind of uncomfortable, right? I mean, imagine this taking place. You're just sitting there watching. Jesus like, do you love me more than these? He kind of like, I don't know. I, I'm sure as Peter answered, we would all probably have answered the same way, right? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Any of us would probably answer and say, well, yes, Lord, of course I love you. Right? I mean, what else are you going to say? The question from Jesus, though, is much deeper than we initially see. Jesus is addressing Peter's previous denials and his plot, what he said before. Uh, Peter, let's 
turn back here. I want to see what Peter has said before. Turn back to Matthew. Matthew chapter 26, verse 33. Who remembers Peter saying this? Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Right? There's Peter. We know it's not very soon after Peter has said this, right? Very soon. He then denied Jesus three separate times. Each time as he was faced with a difficult situation, he denied Jesus. And Jesus is going to address this here with Peter. And also as we look at that, if you go back to that text, what is Jesus, what does it mean exactly when Jesus says, do you love me more than these? Right? What is these? What is these things? Um, you can read different commentaries. There's different opinions on this. Um, I'd like to read the Amplified Bible, uh, verse, this verse in the Amplified Bible. It reads, When they had eaten, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Others do with reasoning, intentional, spiritual devotion as one loves the Father. As I thought about this and I read this and kind of meditated on this verse, I had to ask myself, what things in my own life would Jesus ask me a question like this? Do you love me more than these? I think we all have these things in our life that maybe Jesus could ask me. Do you love me more than these things? You know, it's like, and then as you look at it, there's more. There's, this is a deep verse. If you look, look at it again, another question is, why did Jesus address Peter this way? He says, Simon, son of John. Why do you address him this way? If you look back, and I, again, I look back and seen how previously how Jesus had been speaking to Peter when he addressed him. And unless you go way back, but before he just said Peter, right? Just Peter. But here, Simon, son of John. Why did Jesus address Peter using his old name? Why? I believe, you know, this is my opinion. I mean, we know he addressed him differently, but I believe why Jesus did this is he was making a point that Peter had gone back to his old self, his old ways, his old behavior before Peter had walked with Jesus. He had denied him three times. He had been told to go and wait for Jesus. Instead, he went fishing. He, I think he, you know, it just spoke to me this way. I mean, I think this is, Jesus is going to address Peter and rebuke Peter for this lack of faith. You know, of course, then we read this, we can ask ourselves, what are our old behaviors? Think about that. What would, if you were in this story, and you had slipped, stumbled, uh, call it what you want, backslidden, um, I, call it what you want, um, your faith in wavered, what would Jesus call you? What were you known as? I thought about this. So for me, maybe my previous life, before I really walked with Christ and submitted my life to Him, maybe it's Aaron the businessman. To me, that would, that's not who I am today, right? Or maybe, I mean, it could be much worse. He could have called me Aaron, son of the world. Wow. I mean, that's pretty drastic, right? What would have you been called? I've been called a lot of things. Some good, some bad. Today, I hope I will be called Aaron, 
servant of Jesus Christ. I hope that Jesus would, if he was to address me in this fashion, Aaron, my servant, or people would meet me and see me and know me, and obviously they probably wouldn't use the exact words because, you know, it's not really customary, but it would be Aaron, the one that loves Jesus. Aaron, the Christian. What would he be known as? I thought about this, and you know, I think overall, people would know me as one that loves Jesus. But I'll tell you, this week's been kind of rough. I dealt with dealing with my Wi-Fi issues as it didn't work three times, might call me something else. Um, I just wasn't very nice to them. I will fully admit it. I, uh, I don't lose it too often, but three times later, and all sorts of problems later, we still don't have Wi-Fi. Um, I think I need to pray. I really need to pray that I would leave a better testimony even to people like this that I'm dealing with. When, uh, because I tell you, I know I didn't leave a good testimony. I, uh, I was so upset. And it just, that's what spoke to me when I read this. How would they know me now? These people that, at the end of that other line, that phone line, right? That, I mean, I think they'd say, Aaron, the guy, the American that demands his way, or uh, I don't want to say something other language, probably because I don't know the Burmese words, which I don't want to work but I think that's probably what they referred me to. People are laughing, but I'll tell you, you know, it's a bad testimony. It was. They, they were wrong. I mean, they didn't fix my life, but I was wrong. And we need to leave when people would meet us, they would come to know Jesus, and not come to know a real person or someone that's demanding their way. And it's difficult sometimes. It's really, really difficult sometimes. I, I, you know, just off track a little bit, but I do need to have a better testimony of Jesus. And it, it brings me to this, this last part in this verse. What's the last part? Then feed my eyes. Right? That's what I'm talking about here. If you love Jesus, he says, then feed my lambs. If we love Jesus, this, if we love Jesus, we will minister to those that God places in our path, in our circle of people. We will love them as Christ loved them. Love is an action. Even when I'm dealing with Wi-Fi companies, love is an action. The people were put in my path. For all I know, my Wi-Fi could have been so I could have ministered to them. People, I blew it. I'll tell you that I blew it bad. But I don't know. Let's look at verse 16. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. Do you know I love you? Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Jesus isn't letting this go. Jesus asked again in front of all the other disciples, do you love me? And as we talk about that, I'm going to turn over to Acts. Acts Chapter 20, verse 28. I want to talk about what this means. Do you love me? Acts chapter 21, verse 28. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock. His church purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers, like vicious wolves, will come along among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you, 
day and night, and by many tears for you. Jesus is making sure that we all, including Peter, clearly, clearly understand him, that if we say we love Jesus, we need to care for the people, minister to the people as Jesus did. And how did Jesus do that? Just think about that. Turn back to John chapter 21. We're going to look at verse 17. And keep, keep these questions in your mind as we go. A third time he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. A third time Jesus asked. I can't, I mean, I guess I can't imagine. Can you imagine the humility Peter was faced as Jesus is asking him repetitively? The humility that he felt realizing three times Jesus asked him. Three times. You know Peter's flashing in his mind. Three times Peter denied him. I imagine each time he said, do you love me? Flashing his mind the three times they denied him. I thought of an he tried to help explain what was taking place. Peter had sinned against Jesus by denying him, right? That was a sin. He denied Jesus. This was as if he committed adultery against God, right? It's a big word. But Peter, he had repented of it, right? He's repented of it. But Jesus, he's sorry. He, he realizes he's, he's torn, he's hurt. He know he messed up. He's really humble. That's what I think Jesus was after. Peter was not a humble man, right? I mean, we can see it. He was not a humble man. After this instance, I think he has some humility in his life. And if we're going to serve the Lord, we're going to be molded to a person that God can use. He wants humble servants. And Peter has been humble. And he repented. And he's going to be restored with Jesus here. This is really, I see a new season in Peter's life, right? This is a new season. One that he would follow Jesus. One that now with humility, and also he had some new information. He knew the cost right now, a little better, of what it was to be a follower of Jesus. Because before, you know, follow Jesus. He thought, right, right? He thought he was going to like be with a king, right? And they were rule Israel together. It didn't work out that way. So now, he's humble, and he knows the truth of who Jesus is. This isn't who he thought before. Jesus, he needed to do a work in Peter's life before he would be the leader of the church. You know, do you remember what Peter's heart was before? We kind of looked at it before. Let's look again. Look just in John, I'll just turn back a few pages to John 13, verse 37. This was him before. But why can't I come now, Lord? He asked. I'm ready to die for you. This was Peter, right? This is a different Peter we're looking at in John chapter 1. It's a different man. Different, different man. Peter had failed, right? He made all these big statements, right? He failed three times. But Jesus was there to restore Peter. But now Peter has humility. He has humility. What a lesson for me in my own life as I think about this. I think back to the many, many years in my walk as a follower of Jesus. 
And how many times I, as Peter, have denied Jesus in different areas of my life. I didn't deny him as my Lord and Savior, but I did deny him in many areas that I voted over in my life. That makes sense to me. I denied him a lot more than three times. A lot more. Just like Peter, I failed horribly at times. I denied Jesus in areas of my life. I got this one. I got this part. You can have this part, but I got this part. You know, Jesus each time for me in the aftermath, Jesus said, Do you love me? Do you trust me? Seeking restoration each time. I see a lesson that's so clear here that if we truly, truly love Jesus, as he's asking Peter, we will no longer deny him in any areas of our life, but obey him and then go and feed and care for the flock that he's put in front of each one of us. Let's continue. Verses 18 and 19. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Jesus is instructing Peter, and I believe every single one of us, that the time, the season for us to do whatever we would wish or be impulsive is over. The season of seeking out our own desires must come to a close. There's no more, let's go fishing. Obedience to the Father. The season of our young Christian walk at some point needs to transform into a mature Christian. To put our own desires behind us. To seek after Jesus and serve others. Jesus continues in this and he, then he continues and he tells Peter all the way up to the point of the death that he would face. Peter would face persecution as we have known to the point that he would die on the cross. The tradition tells us that Peter was hung or asked but hung upside down on a cross in Rome. A martyr's death. And this passage tells us that this was God's will. And Peter's death, it says, glorify God. He glorified Jesus still to this day, thousands of years later. The gospel is still being preached because of Peter. But remember, as Jesus is explaining to Peter what he's asking for. Remember, just three years before, I mentioned it earlier. Jesus asked the same question to Peter, didn't he? Follow me. Put your nets down and follow me. I think many of us, just like Peter, Peter, three years ago, he said, yes, Lord. He blindly followed Jesus, having no idea. Had some misconceptions, for sure. But now, so much more has been revealed to Peter, including how he would die, to be crucified. And he asked Peter again, follow me. Peter now knows the cost of following Jesus. What it would lead to in the end. It wasn't a place in a palace as he had thought before, physically. Instead, it was a cross. Now he says, Now, will you follow me now? Do you love Jesus? What about us? 
What are the costs to following Jesus? Will you follow Jesus? Jesus is, just as he's asking Peter, he's asking us. You know, as we're standing here in this very country, as Jesus, I believe, is asking, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Tend to my flock. Do you understand the cost? He, he told Peter what's going to lead to his crucifixion. Think of the ones that came to this country before us. There's a lot of people that came here before us. What did it cost Judson? I think Jesus asked Judson, do you love me? Follow me. There's a lot of costs. I mean, paid dearly. But this is what Jesus wants. Let's continue. Look at verses 20 through 22. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. The one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, What about him, Lord? Jesus replied, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. I believe in Peter's actions, he's accepted Jesus' invitation to follow him, right? He's accepted that invitation to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, knowing the cost. But as Peter is being molded by Jesus into the man that could be used greatly, the one that would lead the church, that would do amazing, write books of the Bible and so many things, what do we see about Peter? Peter's still Peter, Right? That's like our story, right? God does amazing works in our lives. He molds us into new creations, but that old person is still there at times, right? Right away, Peter, we see this passage. He turns around and asks, what about John? What's going to happen to John? And we just see how John introduced himself in this. These two just crack me up. Peter asks, he wants to know, what's going to, you know, if I'm going to be crucified, because that's what he explains it to him. What about John? I'm sure he's thinking, is he going to be hung on a cross too? What about him? What about his ministry? What, does he have to face the same persecution that all face? Does John have to face the, the consequences for following you? Is that I am? As you think about this and think about what Peter's asking, I want to turn to Galatians. Galatians chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Galatians 6, verse 4. Pay careful attention to your own work. And then you will get a satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. I will tell you, I am just as guilty as Peter. To look back at others and towards others and ask at times, God, why, why are they so blessed? They don't work half as hard as I do. Or why... Why, why do I have to endure so many trials and so many problems? When I see others and they don't, they don't face any of the things, they don't even understand what I'm talking about when I talk about spiritual warfare or persecution, and they just give me a blank stare in the face. I don't understand. Why would others seem to do nothing and prosper? Jesus clearly rebukes Peter and myself in this passage. Jesus tells me, He tells you. It is, my analogy, it's none of you. ever heard of that analogy? None of It's none of your business. It's not our business. That's God's business. That's not our business. It was not Peter's business what was going to happen to John. 
It's not my business about what's going to happen to someone else or how they're blessed or how they work or don't work. It's none of my business. My job is to follow Jesus. Let's look at verse 23. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Again, interesting. The, the Christians of the day, the believers of the day, they, were, they misunderstood the lesson, right? They didn't get it. But Jesus clarifies, he clarifies, what is that to you? It is none of your business. You need to follow what I put in your life. Don't look at others. Look to Jesus. I read a commentary in words we I quote him a lot. I want to read this to you because I really like how he explains this. The Lord rebuked Peter and reminded him that his job was to follow, not to meddle into the lives of other believers. Beware, when you get your eyes off the Lord and start to look at other Christians, looking unto Jesus should be the aim and the practice of every believer. To be distracted by ourselves or circumstances or by other Christians is to disobey the Lord and possibly get detoured out of the will of God. Keep your eyes and faith on Him and on Him alone. Such a great quote by Warren Worsby. Let's get back, let's go back to John and look at these last two verses, 24 and 25. This disciple is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them here. As we know that his account of these things is accurate, Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Can you imagine? I just think of my own life. I don't know about you guys, but I think each one of us. There would be a whole series of books on my own life. Just my life. And all that God has done in my life. And you know what? Every year there'd be a new new book coming out, right? Recording all the events that Jesus had done, the account of the things that he's done in my life. It's just amazing when you think about this is still going on today. You know, as we read these passages, just so many questions I asked you, and so many questions came to my mind. Jesus asked, Do you love me? If we do, it says right here, we will. Feed the lambs, we will feed his sheep, and we will tend for them also. What sheep or what lambs has Jesus placed in your life? I think each of us can look and see that Jesus has given each of us a responsibility. Are you feeding them God's word? Because that's what he's talking about here. He's not talking about bringing them lotteria. He's talking about making sure they're fed spiritually God's word. That's why we go verse by verse here at Refuge. It's God's word. It's not man's word. It's spiritual food. Are you feeding those that God has placed in your care God's word? Not other books. Not other books. Stick to God's word. Are you tending to them? Many pastors can go up here and preach. You can read from the Bible, you can teach. Are you tending to them? There's so much more there. Are you in relationships with them? Are you praying for them? Are you checking on them? Are you coming alongside them when they're having difficult times? I hope I'm doing that. I try really hard to tend to the flock. From texting, right now, we're in stay-at-home orders, 
However, I can do to come alongside you and support you in any which way you can, tending to the flock. Are we following Jesus as, as, as he's asked here, knowing as we're doing this, there's a cost. There is a cost. I read another commentary that I like to quote. It's from a life application Bible. I just really like it. What does it mean to follow me? Follow me is a present tense. It's current. It's an action right now, today. It means keep on following. Stripped of pride, impulsiveness, false expectations of leadership. Peter was ready to follow Christ in a new way because of these new experiences and this clearer picture of himself. Follow me means constant discipleship and a steadfast pursuit of Christ, even if that requires martyrdom. It means continuing Christ's work in the way he wants it done, not in the way that we would want it done. I'd like you to turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 1 8. Let me get there myself. I read this a while ago and I posted it on our Facebook page. But he says to follow him. For 2 Corinthians 1.8 We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the providence of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed behind, beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. Are you helping us by praying for us? Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our Savior. As we look at this today, I ask you, what's your answer? Do you love Jesus more than you love your own life, your own desires, your own ambitions? Your own worldly desires, your own friends, your own family. Do you love Jesus? This is the point that Peter has come to now in humility. He wasn't there before. At what cost? I mean, what cost do we follow Jesus? This is what Peter. Jesus is looking for a surrendered follower. This is Lord. I just follow you. No reservations. Whatever. I'll follow you. I love you. He says, if you love me, go out. Preach the word of God to the lambs, to the sheep. Tend to the flock. Take care of them. This message to me, especially in times like this, is so important. Because I think there's a lot of tending to do right now. There's a lot of people that aren't having fellowship. That aren't receiving the encouragement from others. That aren't in God's word. We need to get out there. We need to tend to the flock. We need to be the sheep and the lambs. And no, doesn't cost. Peter knew it. He humbly served the Lord for the rest of his days. We're going to worship a little more. But I just pray that you would really meditate on this question. Do you love me? And surrender your life to serve our Lord Christ. I mean, that's what he did for us, right? He gave his life. He's not asking you to do anything he didn't do. Please pray with me. The worship team can head up. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much, Lord, for this opportunity just to study your word, to see this example from Peter, from the book of John. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that 
Lord, you would soften our hearts. This took a, a traumatic event for you to When he was deeply hurt, do you love us? Yes, Lord, we love you. Please use us and show us, Lord. Show us how and when and place the people in our lives that we can, we can share them. That we can come and share the word of God with you. That we can tend to them, Lord, that we can minister to them. So, Lord, I just pray for your protection of this church. I mean, all of you, Lord. I pray for your eyes pointing to your spirit on this country, Lord. I pray for the protection of those who are out there that are living in fear of all these things going on. Lord, protect the families out there. And just be with us this week and speak to us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.